Welcome to the Strangeology Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Foran. From cryptozoology, ufology, and the paranormal, to legends, forbidden history, and more. Listen in and explore the world of the weird and unexplained. Join me as I look into strange and fascinating tales and unearth the truths and theories behind some of the world's greatest mysteries. Be sure to head on over to our HQ, strangeology.com, where you can check out our blog, episodes archive, gift shop, and so much more. Now sit back, relax, and join me as we get weird. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I hope everyone's summer is off to a great start. Uh, my allergies are kicking in big time from all the pollen outside, so if my voice sounds a little scratchy, that's why. Uh, things have been pretty busy here over at Strangeology HQ. I've got a lot of prep work uh, to do for the first event I'm vending at this year, which is the Cryptid Bash uh, hosted by the Moth Boys uh, down in Morgantown, West Virginia on August 7th. So <laughs> I've got a lot of work to do in the next uh, six weeks or so uh, to get my table ready and, and to get some merch uh, ordered for that. So it's going to be a great time. Definitely check it out if you're in that area this summer. There's going to be a lot of vendors uh, like Conjure Just Designs, the American Snallygaster Museum, um, as well as the Manic Pixie Dream Ghouls, Small Town Monsters, and a lot more. Uh, you can find all the details on the Facebook events page. So please check that out, and I hope, hope to see some of you there. If you haven't visited my shop in a while, um, I've got a few new designs, uh, which people are digging, and more on the way. So definitely keep an eye out for that, uh, as well as uh, some upcoming giveaways and uh I'll probably throw a sale or two in at some point <laughs> in the future if you want to save a couple bucks uh, and also want to support the show. All right, without uh, further ado, for today's episode, we're going to do another interview. I uh, knocked out a bunch of these all at once uh, just to kind of get ahead of myself for <laughs> for all the content uh, and also prepping for, for uh, different shows later this year. So I hope you're liking them all so far. I, I'm definitely liking this, this format, um, but I will be getting back to some more research-oriented episodes soon. Um, maybe even for uh, the next one after this. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so my guest today is Easton Hawk, uh, who is an illustrator uh, based out of Indiana. And uh, you may have seen uh, some of his B-movie inspired cryptid posters uh, like the Mothman, uh, Flatwoods Monster, uh, Loveland Frogman designs. Uh, they're super cool. He's uh, an incredibly talented individual. And uh, we we had a great conversation talking about all things Fortean and a lot more. So why don't we uh, just jump into it? I hope you guys dig it. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Strangeology podcast. For today's show, I have the privilege of speaking with Easton Hawk. We're going to get into some really awesome topics tonight, and I think you're all going to like it. So a quick introduction. Easton Hawk is an illustrator based out of Indiana who is very much influenced by the world of the strange and unexplained. 
uh, all, things that we love here on the Strangeology Podcast. And he's been a longtime enthusiast of cryptids and creatures, urban legends, high strangest, strangeness, uh, the unknown, and is also a big fan of uh, horror and science fiction. So how'd I do there, Easton? Anything you'd like to add? Uh, no, that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> So uh, cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show tonight again. Uh, Absolutely. It's great, great to have you. I, I love your art. And, uh, you know, the Thank first you. the first time I saw your poster was just like blown away. So um, how long have you been illustrating and, and like what got you into art? Uh, illustrating like as a side gig I've been doing for the last probably uh, six years or so. I'm 26. Um, I went to school for illustration and art education. I completed two years. I went to the Art Academy of Cincinnati, and uh, I went for two years. And going from a moderately sized city in uh, Indiana called Kokomo to Cincinnati was a huge culture shock. And I loved it, but at the same time, it overwhelmed me. And I have little bouts of uh, social anxiety and, you know, manic episodes and stuff like that, which I've you know, taken care of like an adult and got medicated and whatnot. But sure, um, sure. so I, I dropped out two years in and then um, I started just doing it as a side thing um, along with my day jobs and whatnot. So uh, I'm also in the music scene, which I know we'll get into eventually. But um, so yes. <laughs> it's been a lot of album art, lots of band t-shirt stuff, lots of stuff like that. And then uh, because of the pandemic, I finally had time to like slow down and breathe and get all this cryptid stuff that I've been sitting on for a long, long time. Uh, going but I've been drawing um, you know as a kid pretty much as long as I can remember uh, it's actually really funny uh, I refused to like clean up my toys in my room when I was a child and my parents <laughs> gave me like a three strike rule type thing when I got old enough that I should have childhood responsibilities sure. so uh, strike three came and they said we're taking all this stuff that you were that you refused to, to clean up and they just gave me a drawing pad and uh <laughs> there you go so that that was entertainment and that was my lifeblood for from then on for a few years until i finally got my stuff back <laughs> there you go cool so you know they strong armed <laughs> me into it <laughs> right on yeah like I, like i was saying um i remember when i first saw the the mothman uh poster i was so blown away with just like how much detail was was put into it and i love the look of old b-movie posters and like Absolutely. that whole aesthetic mm -hmm. um and then like the the subsequent ones you've done for like the flatwoods monster and the loveland frogman are just like they're so on point it's <laughs> it's really Thank awesome you. and like like beyond uh being influenced by weird and unexplained subject matter is there a particular artist or style that you've always looked for for inspiration? Uh, definitely Bernie Wrightson, who was a huge, uh, he did like the creep show uh, mock-up comic for the, 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 uh, the Stephen King and George A. Romero movie. Yeah. So uh, Bernie Wrightson's just thick, nasty uh, ink work is really what like caught my eye and started pointing me in that direction of, I want to do art that's, really heavily line art oriented and mm -hmm. then really splashy flashy color or you know as an afterthought pretty much but um still enough to keep you interested in everything but it, uh 
it's definitely line work and black and white is what really pulled me into that line of work. That's so awesome. Bernie Wrightson, um, uh, more mo modern people be like uh, the art of Skinner, Alex Pardee, uh, Aaron Crawford at uh, Cavity Colors, people like that. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, when I was in college, I, I took some like art history courses, but mm -hmm. I was, <laughs> and I'm, I wasn't the most punctual, uh, student. So I'd usually, you know, show up to art history class yep. half asleep and then I just like kind of nap on the table and the professor didn't really care. I think he called on me like once or twice That's to kind of wake me up, <laughs> see if I was paying art, attention. So. I feel like art history professors pretty much understand what their class is going to be used for. And it's pretty <laughs> much a un, impromptu study hall or sleeping period. But right. Yeah. I kind of had yeah. a Jay Zumetta was my uh, art professor or history professor in Cincinnati. And I feel like he, he knew what we were there for. It was to, relax and not learn anything right except for the art history majors which that school did away with right yep <laughs> that sounds about par for the course there um so uh what's <laughs> what's been the favorite uh like your favorite illustration you've done so far and what cryptids or creatures are you hoping to uh tackle in the future uh i want to say my favorite uh, it's probably the Flatwoods one just because I got to take a lot more liberties with it. And um, uh, I've never played the Fallout 76 game, but I know that the the West Virginia cryptids were added into it. So uh, the last couple of years I went to Mothman, they had a uh, vault, uh, vault location. I don't know what to call it. So I got like wind of Mothman design and the Flatwoods monster design. And I guess there's Grafton monster too. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the idea of it being um, more of like a flesh and blood thing in a, almost like a, like a mech suit of some sort. So I kind of <laughs> ran with that. Uh, so I'd say Flatwoods was definitely the most fun to come up with and to, you know, go from the thumbnail process to drawing this thing. Uh, but uh, Mothman is definitely the most popular of the things I've put out so far. So it has yeah, a, Mothman's you know, pretty big. <laughs> yep, it's so I'm, I appreciate it, and it almost makes me wish that I would have hold off on it because I love drawing Mothman. So I feel like I'm never going to be able to outdo that one. So uh, <laughs> it's on the back burner forever. Right. Well, never say never. <laughs> one and done, pretty much. It's like George one Costanza. You go out on a high note. You make one good joke, you got to leave. So. <laughs> you know, I guess that's probably pretty, uh, pretty good advice to, to live your life by. And, <laughs> I, and, I think I do live cases. my life like that. Never overstay. <laughs> right. Um, um, yeah. Stuff coming out. Uh, to answer that question, I am concurrently working on three posters at the same time because I'm trying to uh, really rev up for uh, Mothman Festival, the uh, Cryptid Bash with the Moth Boys, and um, Cryptid Con. So I am right working on. on a Hopkinsville Goblins uh, poster. I'm working on a Snallygaster, and I'm working on a Goosebumps meets Black Eyed Kids poster, oh, which I think yeah. will be really cool. That yeah, so awesome. uh, that's another another artist that I absolutely love is Tim Jacobus that did all of Arl Stein's art. So oh, I've been wanting really to do cool. kind of a kind of a rip off cryptid. <laughs> switch over crossover type thing. So that's also oh, in the man. works right now. 
Yeah. Kicking it old school for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great. Thanks for, for letting us know like yeah. what's, what's coming down the pipeline. That's I'm super so, stoked for that. It's, it's a little by little type thing. Cause uh, my wife and I just had a baby in February or sorry, in March. And yeah, congrats, uh, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. So it's lots of, uh, being on baby schedule when I'm yep. home after my work schedule. So yes, <laughs> I know that, that life. I know. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> I know you're, you're a night owl and uh, for whatever reason right now I rise and fall with the sun. So as soon as the sun goes down, I have no motivation and I just want to sleep. <laughs> so hopefully I'll kick that pretty soon so I can get these done. <laughs> right on, right on. Yep. <laughs> I know that life for sure. <laughs> it's fun. It's a joy. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like the best thing in the world, man. It's, it really Definitely. is like you grow up and you're like, ah, I don't know about kids. And then like one day it's, they're there. Yep. And, <laughs> and you're like, wow, I can't remember what it's like without you. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's wonderful for sure. <laughs> um, so with your, with your illustrations, like what kind of, uh, what kind of equipment do you use? Uh, we can uh yeah, I, uh, I tried to do a pretty good, um, mix of traditional work and then, um, you know, using, I use an iPad pro and I use procreate like everybody else. And it's, it's phenomenal and it's changed my life. Um, so a, a lot of the time I do a lot of sketching on paper, um, just because it's so hard to like get scaling right with procreate if you're just sketching freehand and going in. So I need just paper and I need, you know, nine by 12 and just pencil. Uh, I do a lot of that. Uh, sometimes I'll do inking and I'll scan it in and then I'll either re-ink it digitally or I'll just go in and, you know, vector trace it and then start uh, the, the coloring from there. But uh, yeah, it's mostly I'll draw it on paper, I'll scan that in, I'll ink everything out um, for the bare bones and everything, and then I'll start cranking away at details, and then nice. color comes after that, and it's just nonstop little tweaking, and uh, I think most of my pieces, I clock in about 20 to 27 hours, something like that. Wow. Yeah, it, there's an incredible amount of detail that goes into your work, and it's, <laughs> it's very I impressive. love it, but it is, it is a... <laughs> It'll drive you mad. So it's a lot of <laughs> yeah. squeezing out, zooming in, doing more, squeezing out, zooming in, doing more. So it's sure. a lot of that stuff. So it's, yeah. it's a little neurotic at yeah. some point. <laughs> I know, like my my process for like doing my own designs is usually uh, pencil and paper, and then I'll mm -hmm. scan it in, and then uh, either use like my mouse to digitize it or i do have a, a tablet where mm. it's not like an on-screen tablet you have to like, look at look at the computer yep. screen and, i and did the old wacom tablet for yeah, a while and yep, going from that to ipad it's completely made everything so easy i yeah. just throw that thing in my backpack <laughs> and pick it up wherever i'm at it's so nice yeah that's awesome yeah i might have to <laughs> make the jump someday <laughs> I, yeah i know it's, it's a very you know it's, it's a privilege to be able to like get that equipment and I am so like thankful that I took the jump and like just did it because it it really is it, it gives back just as much as you put into it nice that's awesome definitely <laughs> so Easton uh you're from the Midwest uh particularly Indiana uh and do you think living in that part of the United States 
has had any bearing or impact on getting into the Fordian world. Like I remember this that old show, uh, Erie, Indiana, and it's just like the yes. <laughs> and then loved like, Erie, Indiana. Stranger Things is is supposed to be based in a fictional right. town in Hawkins, Indiana. Indiana. Hawkins, Indiana. Right. <laughs> so there's like there's definitely like a weird vibe that at least seems to project from there in fiction, but yeah. Um, surprisingly, I only recently, uh, found all of the, uh, the rich, like cryptid lore and everything, uh, because of, uh, David Weatherly's book, um, the, uh, I forget what it's called now, uh, Monsters at the Crossroads, something like that, where okay. he, he's doing a series on all 50 states. And, nice. um, I only recently, you know, picked that up and read that. And I had no idea that Indiana was like so rich with cryptids and, and Fortiana and all that stuff. Um, I mean, by the, by the name of Indiana, it's, it's Indian. So there's a lot of that, like borderline racist, uh, mm. you know, Indian appropriation or native American appropriation type stuff. So grew up right. with a lot of that um my grandfather on my mom's side is actually from west virginia so okay. i was exposed to like appalachian um culture and stuff growing up and he's actually definitely the one that pushed me into that whole world because uh he lived in a house in the middle of nowhere with woods that surrounded it so of course uh while i'm staying the night when i'm like five or six he has to tell me about bigfoot and sasquatch and <laughs> you know, all that stuff to keep me out of the woods. So, right. uh, he Stay definitely, he you. definitely, <laughs> yeah, he, he did, he did the number. And I remember very well, uh, having a nightmare at his house that there was a big hairy man looking at me through the window while I'm going to sleep. So that definitely, uh, is what pushed me into being interested in this kind of stuff. And in, I mean, uh, watching unsolved mysteries with my mom, um, you know, for hours on end, so she also had like a slight interest in it. I definitely went way, way further than she ever did. Whenever <laughs> she, I talk about the stuff where she sees my artwork, she's like, it's a little out there. But um, yeah, Indiana, other than it just being a highly boring place. So the escapism of uh, Fortiana definitely beckoned. Um, I would definitely say it's my grandfather bringing Appalachian culture and lore into my life that would be gotcha. more of the uh more of what did it gotcha uh totally makes sense you know someone who lives yeah. in that that region and also yeah. you know <laughs> knows a lot about the stories and things like that that definitely <laughs> no that's cool that's cool um so my next question would be and maybe you already answered this but like was there a particular moment in your life that made you realize that there was something more to like cryptids and the paranormal um, than or like a fleeting thought versus like, this is a lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, uh, my grandpa really like planted the seed and the, the idea of, you know, there are things that we don't completely understand and we can't prove, but you know, people have been theoretically seeing these things for, you know, as long as humans have been what they are. So uh, I would definitely say that it's when I 
one watched the Mothman prophecies and then read the book, the Mothman prophecies and realized that Mothman is pretty much the least interesting thing of the whole Mothman uh, story. Uh, Men in black really interests me. Um, Missing time really interests me. Um, You know, prophecies, uh, visions, all that stuff really interests me. So I would definitely say it's when I picked up the book, the Mothman prophecies and I realized that, that whole story is much deeper than just a, a hairy winged man running around giving everybody pink eye. So I would say that's probably, <laughs> it's probably, you know, my freshman year in high school when I picked up the book. Right on, right on. Yeah. That's Mothman prophecies is definitely like a must have uh, yeah, for, for anybody uh, looking into this kind of thing. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um. Now, horror and sci-fi they're both both things that i'm into uh though i'm probably a little bit more in like the sci-fi camp what's your favorite uh which one's your like favorite genre and then also um what are your favorite like your top like five movies for for those genres uh between the two of them i would probably say that horror is my favorite just because of uh uh, the counterculture effect that it has um mm. and like i don't know that the franchises just run wild so i, I love that <laughs> um my favorite movie of all time is john carpenter's uh, remake of the thing um and uh, rob botin's uh you know visual effect work on that is definitely what like molded my mind into loving wrinkly oozy disgusting work and imagery and stuff like that yeah um you, you i also did a love for the thing right yep that was yeah. that was one of many i've got a couple other things coming out gotcha. eventually cool cool the uh, uh also um alien aliens uh prometheus all those i love that uh franchise um i love robocop I don't know oh. if that's that's technically sci-fi. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that I counts. I love RoboCop. Uh, I wrote <laughs> I a paper in college. <laughs> I wrote a uh, a paper in college about the parallels between RoboCop and Jesus Christ, and it is deep. So oh, wow. watch RoboCop again with the idea that he is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and you can see it like throughout the movie. It's awesome. That's. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to go back and I haven't seen RoboCop so in so long. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it, uh, I saw it definitely way too young because the hyper violence in that, like it was, I had to like take a drink of water midway through. It was like, uh, wow, this is, this is bloody. <laughs> I, I grew up, I grew up like my earliest days. I was born in 84. So dating <laughs> myself a bit, you know, like growing up in like the eighties and early nineties and, you know, right. Like my, my parents, I think tried to shield me from stuff, but like there were, there were times where I I would see stuff. Yeah. I'd see stuff on like USA or TNT and like, yeah, it it wasn't really super censored back then. (laughs) I saw, I saw fire in the sky on TV and I didn't know that I didn't know what the movie was until I was probably 21, 22 when I finally like sat down and watched it uh, intentionally and it all came flooding back to me as soon as I saw that like skin blanket that they cover him in. I was oh. like, Oh my God, this is the one, this is the one that I saw. And like, <laughs> I was, I was interested, but I was also like, I should not be watching this. Oh man, but, uh, <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. 
with yeah that um the thing is also definitely the the uh the movie that seeing the uh, poster for it that drew struzan did um at the movie uh you know the the video rental store with my dad uh that like pulled me in hard and it made me think about like wow like art can art can do something and if you get the right guy to make uh you know a poster for you or a video jacket for you like that's how you get people interested so yeah uh, yeah the, the thing that thing i think that is one of the most beautiful uh posters or uh vcr jackets that i've ever seen that's awesome <laughs> oh man yeah gosh <laughs> that's funny um yeah i was just thinking about like uh artwork for movies and stuff and there is this this band uh in southern vermont uh which is a few hours away from where i am and i I played played in bands in high school and they were like one of my favorite like vermont based bands and they Mm -hmm. had this t-shirt where they bogarted the 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 design for army of darkness or you know dead free with (laughs) like ash on top of like right, the doing the whole star wars like, pose yes yeah. yes that was the one and i i loved that shirt i wore that for years and then i think it just like got too worn out yeah, probably fell off your body yep <laughs> oh man yeah no that's great um yeah so i was looking through your stuff and i saw that you are working on writing and illustrating a cryptid themed children's book. Can you talk about the process for that and also like when it might be available? Cause I know that people love your posters and I'm pretty sure that like tons of people <laughs> would love to buy a cryptid kids book. Yeah. Um, so Technically, the posters, uh, I started drawing the posters as a way of um, raising money to fund uh, putting out a book, and then the posters kind of became my life. So uh, <laughs> the book has kind of been on the back burner. Uh, okay. I've got, uh, I want to say, three out of what I'm hoping is only 18 pages uh, done. So I'm I'm really aiming that after... I think after CryptidCon especially, um, in the winter, I'll be able to like really hone in and start back up on it. Um, it's written completely. It's just having time to draw uh, everything myself, which I understand why people pass that on to somebody else now, because uh, <laughs> it is a feat. Even for a children's book, it is it is just a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really hoping... Um, if not late 2022, I can start um, a crowdfunding campaign, you know, and anybody that wants it, they can, you know, reserve their spot and get a, get a hard copy. Um, nice. I'm also, I've been also talking uh, with a few of my friends that uh, I went to school with that do animation about maybe making a tiny little web series with the characters and everything. So it might be a little YouTube cartoon that I put out like a really finite, you know, five, six episodes and that's it. Um, and then it's really ambitious at this point, but, uh, I have, you know, friends that also 
do soundtracks and you know write music for a living and so i've been talking about maybe trying to make the book um a vinyl jacket and do like a seven inch or a ten inch where there's music that accompanies the storytelling or having somebody you know um do an audiobook on a 10 inch record or something like that so i've got a bunch of ideas (laughs) yeah so it's just about you know money and time and uh perseverance to actually like finish the damn thing but right. uh, so it's still yeah. in the works it's just a it's just a very slow process right now yeah understood understood i mean there's something to be said about diy and just like getting things done yourself yeah uh, but i'm definitely comes... trying to keep it as close to home as possible yeah yeah but you know it's like there's there certainly comes a point where you might need to ask for help or <laughs> kind of yeah hire someone else to do a couple things here and there, but definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for the, uh, the insights on that. Um, yeah, the animation, totally. the animation thing sounds really cool. It would um, be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so, I just, there's just so many things that I want to do and there's only so many hours in a day. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely reaching out to other people. I teased, uh, Last week, uh, I'm actually working with one of my buddies that uh, works at a 3D printing shop, um, doing some figurines, 3D really? printed uh, figurines to go with my posters. Oh, that's so really rad, man. That's I know. I'm trying. I'm pretty much doing everything but finishing my book at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so it's oh, still happening, know. but I'm like, there's just so many avenues and alleyways that I want to go down, and you know, yeah, I'm I hear only you. getting older. So if I don't act on it, I'm going to lose hey. motivation. Yeah. Well, you, you still got time, man. You're only 26. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> um. So off the topic of like high strangeness or maybe not. <laughs> um, I'm sure I wanted, we'll back. Yeah. I, I <laughs> wanted to talk about music for a minute because we're both musicians. And uh, so like you're a drummer who's been involved with, a bunch of bands probably in, in the, mm-hmm. the span of your, your music career, I assume. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, are you currently like playing with a band and like, how long have you been playing drums? Uh, I started playing drums when I was 12, um, going to middle school. Um, my mom actually played bass drum, uh, throughout high school and marching band. So she already had like an, like a entry level snare drum. Uh, so I needed right the on. credit. And so she, she kind of pushed me into that and I was like, wow, I love this. So, uh, I stuck with it. Um, even, you know, after graduating, uh, I've gone through, I can't even count how many drum kits cause I'm a gearhead and I love the latest <laughs> and greatest or, you know, um, so I've been playing for about 14 years. Uh, I play in three bands currently because it is a the the joke and stereotype is true that if you are a drummer you will be in you will be recruited in multiple bands at the same time. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. Sometimes at knife point. So uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, my my main uh, band is called Tuesday Atlas, and it's like a, it's more of an alternative uh, hard rock. It's very like brand new modest mouse manchester orchestra those kinds of bands so sure, uh sure. really really bread and butter like hard rock but here and there um we get a little uh more melodic and you know soft and stuff like that and then uh 
I've got a band called Dormant, which is, well, it used to be instrumental. Uh, then we got a saxophonist slash vocalist. So it's like a math rock, um, cool. post-rock post type thing. So it's very weird time signatures, very uh, rush worship type stuff. Okay. Uh, um, and then I'm also in a hardcore band called Code of Violence, which is just straight lughead don't even have to think about it just hard brutish riffs and <laughs> blast beats and all that good stuff so yeah yeah uh, yeah it's it's pretty i'm pretty fluid with uh, you know the styles that i like to play and stuff i like to listen to so that kind of runs the gambit of my uh my ability nice that's awesome yeah um i remember you you shared a couple of your your uh your links with me uh, a little while back and I, I checked them out and you've definitely, you've got some serious, uh, serious chops with drumming. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, how's the, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. How's the seat? <laughs> like, how's the, the music scene in Indiana? Do you like do any touring around the state or like the region or uh, obviously with um, COVID, like no one's done anything in the past right. year, but, <laughs> uh, I'm, so I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm six foot four and I could not stand sleeping on a floor or in a van. So I don't tour. And that's like one of my stipulations. I'm not going <laughs> to tour. So I will do weekenders and I'll do like the weekend warrior stuff. Uh, but that's yeah. about it. And especially, you know, having kids, I don't want to be away from home at all. So right. uh, touring, not so much, but uh, there, you know, 2019, I probably played one or two gigs a week, it seemed like. So we were pretty busy for a while. And then COVID hit and I was able to slow down and then, you know, focus on other things like making monsters and, you know, uh, you know, integrating into this like culture and scene online that I, I had no clue that there was such a big following for this kind of stuff until I started looking for it. Yeah. So, yeah and, you know, I my my like immediate circle of friends i'm definitely like the most interested in this stuff and they'll like humor me and they'll like you know feign interest when i'm like telling stories and anecdotes about weird stuff and like i'm always <laughs> pushing jim harold's campfire and astonishing legends and strangeology and getting people to like listen to podcasts uh, that i like yeah, but i'm yeah, definitely yeah. the most uh enthusiast they're enthusiastic about this kind of stuff here Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, sometimes it can be a hard sell for sure, but the, like, <laughs> the, uh, the online like community, like I started strangeology last year in April mm -hmm. and I had no idea like yeah what was out there and just like the, the caliber of people like in, in this online scene, if you will, is like so supportive and, and like, there's so many great people out there and it's, it's really just awesome to be yeah. a, a part of everyone's like super, super welcoming. And yeah, yeah I think that's, that's something that also attracts me. It's just such an inclusive and like interesting and like wholehearted community. Um, that, that I mean, when it comes down to it, like cryptozoology is like pretty wholesome. So obviously anybody that's <laughs> sure. interested into it, yeah, it's, it's... anybody that's interested in it is going to be equally wholesome. And like, you have to, like, you have to be pretty open-minded to like, Oh yeah. Think that there's a, there's a, a, a goat dragon man living in the pine barrens of New Jersey. To, <laughs> so <laughs> right, exactly. if, if you, if you can like, if you can entertain that, uh, you're probably a 
pretty good hearted person <laughs> to right, give that right. the time of day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think cryptozoology is probably pretty hard to gatekeep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure people try, but yeah, yeah I'm sure there's there's no people, room for it. <laughs> I haven't run into any yet. So yeah, thankfully. Um, yeah. So as as far as like music and uh like the weird are concerned have you ever been in a band that's been more geared towards having a theme like not quite like the level of guar but uh like for <laughs> right. example one of my old bands had a song that was uh loosely about mothman and it was called <laughs> point, point pleasant and this was like circa 07 08 that i wrote the song okay so, so it's like mothman like, like wasn't really like huge on like the online right. scene the book or the the movie but... came out and then yeah <laughs> yeah, um, yeah no not really i'm i'm very into like uh chaotic hardcore and like i was in i was in a pretty big pop punk phase and then nice i've, I've moved on to like more mellow like post hardcore stuff uh yep. so it i'm I haven't really gotten into any of that like themed stuff, but um, Tuesday that was my main band. We are working on our first full length, which is called Stone Tape, um, oh, because it's it's a concept record. So, and the story that the singer uh, came up with was very reminiscent of Stone Tape Theory, which I'm obsessed with, and we're going to get into for Patreon, correct? Yeah, yeah. The Patreon segment we'll be talking about that. <laughs> yeah, that's um. That's that's great. Oh, well, I guess there is a little bit yeah. of a, a, so, you know, a weird aesthetic yeah. there, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, that's that's pretty much the closest I've been to uh, being in a band that you know focuses on the strange and weird. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Just no, that's in, awesome. Yeah. That's it's funny, like you saying like going from pop punk to hardcore to whatever it's like yeah <laughs> it's kind of like the that. natural progression <laughs> yeah that that exactly yeah there's that whole like stereotype of like you start off in like a ska band and then pop punk hardcore <laughs> yeah. and then like you go into like indie folk rock <laughs> yeah pretty much end, luckily yeah. i didn't engage my ears or anything so i, I oh. i'm undercover i, I don't have any of the uh, battle scars of of my youth so <laughs> this the the myspace scene days of the early 2000s yep so yeah. i'm pretty much i'm i'm that meme of the the guy at the party that's like i they don't know they don't know <laughs> that i listen to pop punk religiously what a, right, what a right. the guy sitting in the corner yeah <laughs> oh boy um so for uh you don't know that i cried in my car to american football on the way here oh no <laughs> <laughs> big mood with the Kinsellas. um yeah so right. so back back to cryptids and just like uh, uh for funsies what would you say are your favorite midwestern cryptids and which ones would make your dream team midwestern emo band oh jeez uh i'm gonna go loveland frogman on bass because he looks like he probably knows how to slap the bass sure uh i'm gonna go I'm going to put the, this is a hard one. 
I'm going to put the Michigan dog man on vocals. Oh, because <laughs> he can, I'm sure he can howl into the night. Yep. Yep. So, uh, drums. I don't think Oklahoma is technically Midwest, but I'm going to put, uh, the Oklahoma octopus on drums, just obviously. <laughs> and we're going to do a four piece. So I need a guitarist. I'm going with, uh, Beast of Busco here in Indiana. Right. Jared on. Busco, Indiana. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah. what they'd be called. Right. <laughs> oh gosh. Have you have you ever watched the uh the YouTube channel the Scott was it Scottoon Network? Yes. Okay. I haven't seen it on YouTube, but I've seen it like, you know yeah uh, going viral and being shared around so yeah. yeah so the guy that does that he did uh a cover of the impression that i get by the, the boss tones right mm-hmm. and there's this like one and he does all the di- all these different genres and he starts off with mm-hmm. like he's got like skate punk and like hardcore power violence and <laughs> all this like all these different genres and then like halfway through he busts out a version of the song that's like midwestern emo and i was just like when the first time i saw that i was like oh my god that's so good like why is it so good yeah i know i've I commented on the video i was like you need to do an entire version of the song in this style <laughs> oh yeah can't go wrong no you can't you can't um <laughs> so easton uh Back to back to the weird here. Um, have you ever had an experience with the paranormal or like an encounter with a creature or a potential cryptid that you couldn't explain? Uh, and if so, like, do you mind sharing any stories? Yeah, so I, one, I want it too much and the universe knows that. So mm. they, they don't give me what I want. And I've had one honest honestly supernatural uh experience while i was living in cincinnati uh which i can go into and then um a couple years ago i had a weird thing happen but i i'm going to guarantee it was just because it was late at night and it was one of those like ghost cars or phantom car things where there was i pulled up to a stoplight and there was a truck just barreling you know just hauling ass behind me and i thought it was going to hit me and i like kind of flinched and I looked in my rear view and there was nothing there. So I don't know if they just like turned really hard because it's Indiana and he was in a truck and he doesn't have to abide by street rules uh, <laughs> or what. Uh, but when I was living in Cincinnati, uh, I would go biking across the river into Kentucky on the weekends. And um, I was in Covington, Kentucky, and it's very, it's very hilly and very steep roads. Excuse me. And, uh, I was coming up to a stoplight and I noticed like to my right on the street, there was a guy that I'm going to assume was homeless. I don't want to be like insensitive, but I'm assuming he was homeless and he looked like he was like beat within an inch of his life. Like his face was pretty purple and swollen and his eyes were probably like open, like 20 to 30%. And he has like caked blood under his beard on his neck that I could see. And um, I was like, you know, looking at him because I was like, is this guy okay? And he was just kind of like, you know, doing his thing, just 
hanging out on the street and we like locked eyes and we like did the the white guy like smile at each other uh-huh. and uh and the light turned and so i'm like starting down an incline and i'm again hauling ass and uh i probably get uh eight or seven blocks in 20 seconds 30 seconds something like that it was really quick and yeah. i come to the next um red light and who's there it's the guy that i saw like you know eight blocks back and i like talked my head because i recognized him and he likes noticed me notice him and he just kind of like did that whole thing just like smiled and like did a really slow nod and i was my fight or flight like kicked in really hard and i hightailed it back to cincinnati and went to my dorm and just like locked the door and stayed in all night wow. so um and i i think i like forgot about that whole thing for uh, a few weeks after that because um one day it just like hit me while i was in covington again it's like something weird happened here and i had like had really revisited it so that's pretty much the only like weird unexplained head scratcher thing that i've experienced yeah wow that's that's kind of intense easton yeah Yeah, out of out of all the like you know the cliche things you could have like i've i've seen ufos stuff that i just couldn't explain in the sky um i've been to haunted locations and never saw anything or felt anything but yeah this one weird instance that has really stuck with me ever since i like you know started digging into this like side of reese and fortiana yeah yeah so wow <laughs> yeah well thanks for sharing that story i mean that's yeah that's a pretty like head head scratcher experience right like, how, it's how a weird this- one how does this like person, if it was a person, like right and transport I, themselves like that far? And, yeah, and, and definitely <laughs> on foot. Like there's there's no bus that passed me. He didn't have a bike. He there's there's no way that he could get from point A to point B in the same amount of time that I did because he was like right. reclining. He was like sitting on the on the uh, sidewalk with his legs stretched out, like you know, on his elbow. Just, so just kind um, of chilling. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't. And then I. It would be one thing if I just saw him in another place and he didn't acknowledge me and I just saw him. But the way that um, I like, you know, was like looking at him pretty confused and he just like looked at me and acknowledged me. So that's I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not so, good. And I always that's say so that good, I yeah. want to experience something weird, but then I, I, I do like a callback to that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that didn't yeah. feel right. And it yeah. felt very surreal. Yeah, you gotta so, be, be careful what you you wish for, I guess. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was a little too much for me. Yep, yep. There's, <laughs> I I feel like I've I've said it on like the last couple interviews I've done, but it's like the the whole mantra of like you look into the phenomena enough, and, and it, it starts looking yep, back, and it points back at you. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll definitely single you out. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've chatted briefly about this before, um, but can you talk about the, the haunted planet or haunted psyche concept, uh, for, for a brief moment, um, and like the phenomenon of alien abduction? Yeah. So, uh, I know that's something you're passionate about. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's been a while. I should probably read it again. Uh, so John Keel's Our Haunted Planet, um, it's pretty much his theory that, um, are you familiar with Graham Hancock? 
at all? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, fingerprints I, I, of the I, gods, magicians yep, of the gods. Yeah, yep, uh, very familiar. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty much a um, a somehow weirder uh, theory. Um, so Graham Hancock's whole thing is that the human race has a missing era um, where we were like, you know, what would be pretty much superhuman and we had you know uh telekinesis and like just strange powers that we have either like outgrown like vestigial organs and we we just can't tap into that anymore but john keel's theory is that um we pretty much have a a missing a, a missing either link or era in the in the human timeline that um would explain and answer all of the extraterrestrial experiences and ultra what what he coined ultra terrestrial experiences where they're they're here and they're among us they're either in a different dimension or they just live in our psyche and they live in our consciousness yeah um so and then uh, along with the alien abduction thing um it's pretty anecdotal but uh he goes into um, instances where people have very vivid and ugly um, recollections of being abducted, but they're like, when when they come to and they're like, oh my God, I was taken by these things and I, I don't know what happened to me, but they're sitting next to somebody that has been with them, you know, for the past four hours or so, and they were just like sleeping in the car or something. So it's like this whole idea that, um, you know, maybe our consciousness and our soul um are kind of in an ether and we're just you know plucked out of our body technically um and it's more of like a uh it's more of um like an avatar type thing you know we're just we're just occupying vehicles and yeah the real the real so and he also kind of goes into like a religion bashing type thing and <laughs> uh you know he's like the the wacky hippie in the 70s and everything so um like i said i need to really dive back into that one now that i'm you know a much more mature man and can <laughs> digest more of that um i remember trying to read fingerprints of the gods probably when i was like 20 21 and whew, it is uh it's it's hard to like get through you have to read the same paragraph three or four times to like really yeah digest the information yeah graham graham hancock's books are are very uh very big i have um yeah. one of his books uh america before sitting on mm -hmm. my bookshelf that i've been waiting to open up for a few months <laughs> as much as i i love the research and the work he does he is just wildly eccentric and i and i equally love and hate it <laughs> so he he's a guy that i love to hate <laughs> He's, he's he definitely has some pretty interesting theories for sure um, yeah and i mean yeah. uh some of his theories have came to like they're, they're indisputable so so he's he's definitely ahead of the curve and you know for being a laughing stock oh. in the architect or the archaeological world um yeah. i think he really holds his own and i i appreciate and respect like his work definitely oh for sure for sure it's it's interesting to see over time i was first probably exposed to Graham Hancock in like the mid 
mid to late nineties and mm-hmm. he started appearing on different like shows on like discovery channel and TLC right. talking about like, how old is the, the Sphinx and the great pyramid really? And like him mm-hmm. and like Robert shock, I have actually had the opportunity to sit in on a, a lecture with uh, Robert shock a few oh, really? years ago at contact in the desert. It was a pretty That's like, awesome surreal experience but um and then i I think the following year graham hancock was there and i was like ah man i wanted to go that year too but (laughs) just had a kid so couldn't really (laughs) well at this point in his life all he does is preach about the uh the the wonders of ayahuasca in between everything else so (laughs) for sure for (laughs) sure all you have to do is listen to his joe rogan episodes and i'm sure you can get caught up on everything (laughs) yeah dmt and ayahuasca but but yeah no it's it's interesting to just kind of see how he's been like vindicated with newer um archaeological discoveries like you've got like gobekli tepe and definitely like different like things in the archaeological geological um fossil record and stuff of like his whole thing with like the younger Dryas being this like mm-hmm. huge, there's a huge cataclysm that wiped out all the megafauna in North America right. and like kind of like reset humanity. And like, mm-hmm. there was probably massive flooding going on, which might be why there's so many different cultures in the world that have all these flood myths, which I mean, um, it all makes sense. Like yeah. they, they acted like it was so outlandish, but I mean, it's all, it's, it's just common. Like right, right. Uh, in the this in the blink of an eye that human existence has been here, um, I'm sure that you know the world has gone through many transformations that we've had to build and you know rebuild over and over and over again. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. It is definitely it's definitely outlandish um, in the way he delivers it, but um, I think the intention uh, behind all of his work I think is pretty sound. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, that's gonna, (laughs) it's such a cool topic. You you can really like dive in deep to the rabbit hole on that one. (laughs) And your brain will throb afterwards. Uh, Yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, so like we've got this, this, uh, report from the Pentagon that's coming out soon. Do you think there's aliens out there? Uh, and or, and I keep thinking about this more and more as like the whole ultra terrestrial hypothesis, like, mm-hmm. because people are like, oh, it might not necessarily be aliens. And I, every time I see that, I'm like, well, maybe it's, there's another species under the ocean or in another dimension. See, like, what, so what do you think? I'm much more interested in the, the exploration of, in, in the idea of there something already being here. Um, so I know I've, I briefly talked to you about Lake Baikal in uh, in Russia, and yes. there's there's a whole mess of of strange lore and you know uh, legend that goes with underwater civilization or underwater species that we don't you know we we haven't outright experienced or met or discovered. Um, I want to say that there is alien life out there. However, I am in the camp of most likely whatever we would be meeting is post-biological. Mm. And if, if they are, if their timeline and existence is anything like ours, eventually I feel like naturally it would be pretty similar to ours um, depending on 
you know, what planet they're from and what resources are given to them. Right. But um, space travel it would just be such a violent, you know, uh, you have to be pretty durable to get from one end of the galaxy to another unless they're <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it's pretty hard. Uh, I, I definitely want to believe that there is life outside of our, or, you know, our galaxy, and it would be extremely narcissistic to think that there isn't. Um, but I, I'm definitely in the camp that more than likely, it's it's a it's a super intelligence or a super AI type thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it very well could be for sure. Um, but and also, I mean, we've only been sending radio waves out for the last like what eighty years. 60 yeah. years, something like that. So, I mean, in the small amount of time that we've actually been pumping information out into the cosmos, we've, we've only been here for a fraction of a second in the grand scheme of things. So uh, yes, I'm not surprised at all true. that we haven't met or seen anything. So right. um, yeah. I love, I love the Fermi paradox uh, and, you know, just the, the idea of it, well, where is everybody and why isn't, why aren't we, why, why aren't we getting anything back? Right. Um, yeah. Besides the, like <laughs> the rogue signals and stuff. So um, like I said, it's, it's very, it's very narcissistic to think that we're the only intelligent life in this grand scheme. And like, it, it boggles my mind to think of how huge the universe is. Oh yeah. So, it's incomprehensible. Yeah. And no, then there's you, like the really whole, can't multiverse theory that's starting to <laughs> yeah. become more and more which just makes it more or, yeah. yeah so it's just a nasty soupy tesseract of of <laughs> possibility i love that i love that description <laughs> a nasty <Yes>. soupy tesseract, <laughs> soupy tesseract. <laughs> <laughs> um well like speaking of radio communications like what's your take on on seti like if an an alien intelligence like post-biological or not is advanced enough to communicate through like the cosmos like surely they could have found another way to communicate beyond radio waves right like Definitely. i think of like star trek they have like subspace and obviously that's mm -hmm. a made-up concept but there are there are like different dimensions beyond uh the four dimensions that we live in well three dimensions Literally. of physical space plus time right. but you know there's mm -hmm. dimensions on top of that in, in theoretical physics. So it's right. like, I don't know. Like, do you think SETI is, is really kind of looking in the wrong place? Cause they're, they're just looking at radio waves. Yeah. So I, I'm back and forth into thinking that they're doing something like, um, you know, productive, but also maybe wasting a ton of, <laughs> you know, money <laughs> at the same yeah. time. I'm, I love um, Seth's show stacks you know, writing and the idea that he's definitely the one that pushed me into, yeah, more than likely if we were going to experience some sort of alien life, they're going to be post-biological because mm. naturally, I mean, we're, we're already, you know, we're only uh, 50, 60 years into like this uh, technological boom. And we're already like slowly 
migrating into the singularity. I mean, we had, I remember Google Glass being such a huge thing. Oh, I, I forgot I, about Google Glass. Yeah, yeah. well, I, everybody did. So I, I thought for sure that was going to be like step one to, you know, soon having a hard drive implanted in your brain. Oh, so, yeah. Elon Musk wants to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, which is cool. I mean, I'd upgrade my brain if I could. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had those conversations before, like, oh, if like <laughs> live forever and upload your your consciousness into some kind of hard drive somewhere. Yeah, like, definitely. I'd live forever not? just once. Why not? Yeah. Just so. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe so. we're already in that simulation right now. <laughs> oh yeah. man. So um I I think that radio waves are definitely the most viable thing that we have right now, just in you know, what we're capable of and what will probably be universal to other life or other civilizations. So yeah, I, I think this is a good, you know, start to it. But obviously, like I said, we're, we've only been here for a second in the, in the grand scheme of things. So, oh, yeah. um, I mean, for all we know, life has already came and went in another quadrant of the galaxy or the, the universe. So, um, you know, there's that whole Tesla quote that, you know, the when we start researching unexplained things, um, we'll make more progress in one year than we did in a decade of, you know, researching, you know, what's right in front of us. So I definitely think it's probably one of those things where it doesn't hurt. Like I said, it's kind of just a waste of money at this point, but <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't hurt to, you know, to, to push out and to, to send, you know. Hey, hey, we're here, but right. I don't. I don't think that we've really weighed out the consequences. I mean, with all the <laughs> horror sci-fi that I consume, um, right? Yeah, Steve. If, did, if they have, <laughs> if they have the ability to get here, more than likely they have the ability to plunder and take all of our resources, and then um, you know, enslave us. Right. Yeah. So. It wasn't, yeah. It wasn't like Stephen Hawking. Uh, quoted as as say like warning people about like oh we don't really want to let other civilizations yeah we don't know we're here, here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much i guess yeah. i guess i i also i don't know i'm it sounds bad i'm also in the camp of i don't think that with elon musk's work i don't think that we should um we should colonize other planets because we've already like proven what what we're capable of and what we'll do time and time again in the name of fake money. So, so I, I'm in the, it's almost, it's, it sounds pretty nihilist, but I'm in the camp that we don't deserve a mulligan. Like (laughs) we had this one shot to, you know, keep us going and we decided to give us jobs and make us pay bills. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, A line must be crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Something to consider for sure. (laughs) Um, well, we're, we're almost at the, the top of the hour here. Um, actually maybe a little bit beyond, but, uh, my, I've got a couple audience questions, but, um, my last question for you yep. is, um, out of all the high strangeness out there in the world, what keeps you up at night the most? there's two things that I'm pretty open about. One isn't really high strangeness because it's, it's a, it's a thing, but it is highly strange and that's black holes. 
the concept of supermassive black holes is the most terrifying thing that I can think of, of just nothingness. And I hate that. Oh. High strangeness Fortiana, uh, I think time slips really freak me out and um, keep me up at night. Um, and it, again, it's all anecdotal stuff and it's all, you know, word of mouth, obviously. Um, yeah. But stuff like that, um, it's just really uncomfortable <laughs> just to, to think of, I don't know. I, I like my agency and I like, you know, I, I always have a watch on. I like just knowing my time and my space and my place and time and all that. Sure. So the idea of um, unwittingly and unwillingly being plunged into another space and time that you didn't intend to be is really terrifying. Yeah, for sure. That's very uh, unsettling to that uh, um, be an understatement. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that along with, um, I've already mentioned David Weatherly. I love David Weatherly. I love his work. Um, yeah. His uh, Strange Intruders book um, got me. I was like, Grinning Men stories are terrifying just for what they are physically. But after that... Um, and then reading Black Eyed Children, like things that come to you, I don't like that at all. Kind of like the 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 dude in Cincinnati or the dude in uh, Kentucky that I ran into. Yeah. Like I I did not go searching for that. It just came to me, and I didn't like that at all. Like going to a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> you can go there and you can leave. Right. Sometimes it follows you, or nothing happens at all. But when when like you said, when the phenomena looks at you. And says yep. you and, and comes for you. That's, I don't like that at all. You're like, no, thanks. You're being pretty rude right now. Yep. <laughs> Get out of my safety space. <laughs> I don't like this at all. You're being kind of disrespectful. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. And that's really all you can do in those situations. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just so, no. yeah. Yeah. Uh, black holes. Uh, it, it's just the worst thing I can think of. And it's, it's just, it's such a weird neurotic thing to like be hung up on, but legitimately, the, the concept of a black hole just it makes me like weak in the knees sometimes if you like really think about it yeah, yeah it, is. <laughs> it is it's a scary concept i remember being freaked out by black holes when i was a yeah. kid and i think it was still like all the books that were out were still like oh like they're still kind of theoretical but right then like now but we then have we, a picture of now them. we have a picture now it's, like, yeah we can detect most, them we can most, prove that yeah. yeah, most galaxies have like a supermassive black hole right the at the center. Like, yeah, we're just <laughs> we're tethered to them everywhere. Yep. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I remember I remember watching Interstellar the first time and like I was going to ask about seeing that. yeah seeing seeing the the like scientifically accurate portrayal of a black hole and that whole thing like it it almost gave me like a sense of like seasickness or like vertigo Oof. just like watching or like when they're going through the wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. It's just too much. <laughs> That's intense. Well, <laughs> thanks for your perspective on that. <laughs> I'm um, out of my mind. <laughs> ah, we're all out of our minds. Uh, so uh, I've got a couple audience questions uh, here, if you don't mind uh, yeah. entertaining these. Um, <laughs> the first one I have here is from uh, Mr. Sam Sheeran and Sam Love asks, Mr. Sam Sheeran. <laughs> uh, he asks, uh, which would you prefer, uh, an alien abduction or an, uh, a Bigfoot abduction? 
alien abduction is much more common technically hmm. so uh which leads me to believe that people that are abducted by bigfoot don't come back usually unless you're albert Olsman. <laughs> so i'm gonna go with alien abduction all right that was probably like for one my, of my b- biggest fears as a kid <laughs> yep for my for my self-preservation's sake i'm gonna say alien abduction yeah they usually return you mm-hmm. <laughs> you might have a couple weird marks on your body That's maybe fine. A, ch- a chunk of metal implanted in your skin i might but... wake up screaming and trying to find my wife in the night but at least i came back <laughs> all right <laughs> Uh, our next question here is from Ice Age Man Powboy seventy eight, and he asks, "If you could befriend a cryptid, uh, which one would it be?" Honestly, uh, he's in the big three, but uh, I'm gonna say Mothman just because uh, of the the stories of um, people getting a sense of like sadness or like, you know, this thing is lost. Uh, I would want to befriend Mothman to get him back to where he wants to go. We could have a whole EP story arc. <laughs> right. Got to help out our, our resident, <laughs> our resident flying sad boys. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. So I'd yeah. have to, wear some some sort of welder's mask or whatever because i don't want my eyes to swell up but <laughs> I'd, I'd probably i'd probably try to get him home yeah yeah <laughs> all right that's awesome um <laughs> so our last question from from the uh audience is uh from jonathan dodd and jonathan asks what is your favorite cryptid encounter story Ooh. Um, I want to say my favorite would be, is it the Cornwall Owlman? The, it's like a Mothman offshoot, uh, that, yeah, I think he lives in a monastery or a church and a cemetery. I think, yeah. Uh, it's not like a specific thing, but I, I just love the idea of like a Scooby-Doo-esque type thing where he's just keeping people away from, <laughs> from the building <laughs> in the cemetery. Uh, and, awesome. and I can just hear the Scooby-Doo music as he's just like, you know, doing a slow glide over <laughs> over people trying to get him out of there. Yes. Uh, I love those. And then uh, <laughs> um, I would say a close second would be... I. Flatwoods Monster, I love how 1988 The Blob that story is. It's just very wholesome, like, uh, you know, overall children uh, going to check out a downed, you know, meteor or spaceship, whatever. Yep. And then I also love the Flatwoods story because it just never came back. There's no like reoccurring like sightings or anything like we're actually right. was here and gone and there's just no, there's nothing else. I love one-off stuff like that. <laughs> the classic one hit wonder cryptids. Yep. <laughs> like that's all you need. You go out on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tarnish your name. George Costanza. <laughs> yep. ne- never, never better advice for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Uh, So, you mentioned some uh, of the conventions um, this summer and, and fall. So 
you're going to be, can you, can you tell the audience again, which, which one of those you'll be at and, uh, where they can find you? Yeah. So, um, uh, first one up will be in August with the, uh, moth boys cryptid bash. I'll be there. Um, I'm still waiting to get confirmation about Mothman Festival, but either way, I'll be there um, hanging out with Moth Boys. Uh, I'm doing like a little exclusive poster for them. So um, I'll definitely be there to see that send off. Um, And then right now, all I have after that is uh, Cryptid Con in Kentucky. So trying to keep it pretty spaced out because... Again, I don't want to be yeah. away from home too much. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll be meeting in person because I'll be yeah. be at uh, most or all of those. I I haven't quite decided if I want to apply to uh, be a vendor at Mothman Festival or if I just want to go just to experience it and be present. <laughs> you should definitely. I think you should definitely experience it first. Yeah. Because I've. That's like up until last year. Yeah. Up until last year, uh, when it was canceled, I had been going for the last like five years. Um, Mm -hmm. and it is, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it's just a fun point. Pleasant is just a, a very fun place to be. And, um, they definitely are, you know, like writing really hard on the Mothman thing. But other than that, I just think it's a really cool town. If you, if you like, um, you know, history and like, colonial history and settling and you know as bastardous as america is um just like the the story of what we are and how we got where we are is just very present in that town and it's really cool nice cool well that's that's all some pretty exciting stuff coming up for later this year so i can't wait for can't wait for those festivals (laughs) all right well this has been a super fun conversation, Easton. Absolutely. Um, thank you again so much for for coming on the show and uh, getting weird with me and, and talking yeah. about all sorts of high strangeness. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It's yeah, one of my absolutely. favorite things to do, and I rarely ever get to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Easton is uh, going to hang out with me for a little bit longer um, on the Strangeology uh, beyond segment of the show for my Patreon members uh, to talk about some some more weirdness uh, like the stone tape theory, which is pretty awesome. So definitely uh, members stick around for that. And uh, before we sign off here for the, the regular show, uh, can you tell my listeners where they can uh, connect with you and follow you online uh, and where, where they can purchase your artwork? Because yeah, definitely so- people need to buy his stuff because it's awesome <laughs> please uh i'm most active on instagram so i'm at easton hawk illustration um i have a facebook page that i don't post on as much as i should but that's uh also easton hawk illustration and then my etsy store is uh easton hawk art so it's, it's all pretty much in the same wheelhouse i'm not on twitter because it's overwhelming so I might, <laughs> I might branch out to that. I might branch out to TikTok at some point. We'll see. I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's only so many, so much time in the day that I have to mess around. So, <laughs> yep. That's, I, I hear you there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I spread myself uh, a little too thin at times. So it's hard to keep up with if you go, go Definitely. all in. <laughs> so, and being a creative, it's almost, it's almost, uh, 
completely necessary that you're all over the place like that. So yep. <laughs> I'm sure it's inevitable and I will branch out to the other places, but for right now, Instagram is the most comfortable. So that's yep. where I'm, no. that's where I'm sitting. That's the home base for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Thank you again, Easton for coming yeah, thank on you so much. and uh, we will uh, see the, uh, see you patrons after the short break and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again to Easton for coming on the show. Again, make sure to follow him over on Instagram and check out his Etsy shop as well. And if you're going to any of the fests or conferences he's going to be at later this year, definitely stop by his table and say hi. All right, time for some shout outs. As always, big shout out to all my patrons who help make this show possible. We've got Alex Dorgan, Alyssa, Robin from the Mystic Novelty Company, Christine McTire, Chad from the Appalachian Huntsman, Michael Waddell from MetaZoo Games, Greg Morrill from All the Weird and the Order 66 podcast, Roberto Martinez, Sean Colon, Miranda Jarnot, John Hickenbottom, Sarah Sherg, Marine Asmat, Daniel Prepared Wolf, and Kathy Howard. If you'd like to become a patron to support the Strangeology podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology for more information. Uh, there's all sorts of tiers with really cool rewards, like early access to content, uh, bonus extensions at the end of each episode, um, which is my Strangeology Beyond segment, uh, exclusive merch, discounts, and a lot more. And as always, for regular listeners, thank you so much for listening, uh, sharing, and, and liking the show. Um, the, the downloads for the show are quickly approaching 4,000, which is awesome. Uh, so definitely uh, tell your friends, and uh, I, I super, super very much appreciate it. <laughs> You're all so awesome, and I, I can't thank you enough for listening to my show and uh, being into what I do. It means the world to me. And if you'd like to get in touch with me with stories or feedback, you have nice things to say, my DMs are always open on Instagram, or you can shoot me an email at strangeologist at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow me on all my social media platforms. Um, I'm mainly on Instagram, but I'm also on Facebook, uh, where I now have a uh, private uh, Facebook podcast listeners group. Uh, so definitely join that. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, and you can find me uh, less so on TikTok. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, definitely check that out and uh, keep up to date with uh, everything I'm doing. And if you have any personal stories of encounters, uh, again, uh, you can call the Strangeology hotline. Uh, the number is 802-448-0612. Again, that's 802 448 0612. Uh, so if you have stories of a cryptid encounter, paranormal encounter, uh, my plan is to compile a collection of cool, weird, interesting stories for uh, an upcoming episode. Uh, so call in if you if you've got something you want to share. Uh, just a heads up, there's a three minute time limit on the voicemail. So if your story does take a little bit longer, uh, Give a call back and leave another message just picking up where you left off. 
And that's it for the regular episode today. Thank you again so much for tuning in. And for patrons, stick around after the break for Strangeology Beyond. Easton and I are going to get into some more Fordian topics like stone tape theory uh, and a lot of other high strangeness. So until next time, take care of yourselves and each other and keep it strange. to the exclusive Strangeology Beyond segment of the show where we like to get weird. Uh, Easton, thanks again for coming onto the show and letting the audience know a little bit about you and what you're into. Uh, one thing we were talking about before...